Would you stand with me as I read? It's two verses, fairly short, so you won't have to stand very long. But uh, we're looking at Proverbs 10, 17 and Proverbs 15, 10 today. Hear God's word. Proverbs 10, 17 tells us this. Whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life, but he who rejects reproof leads others astray. And then Proverbs 15, 10, there is severe discipline for him who forsakes the way. Whoever hates reproof will die. Grass withers, the flowers fade away, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. Be seated. Thank you. That's, that's really not what we wanted to hear this morning, is it? I mean, those are some harsh words. But they're very, they're very pointed words to each one of us, and hopefully we'll be able to see a little bit more as to why. The subject today is, is correction. Uh, We talked a couple of weeks ago about honesty and character and integrity. And in my mind, and it it may be different for you, but in my mind, the opposite to those things is going to be correction. And that's, again, our topic for today. Oftentimes we believe that we are honest in all our ways. Our, Our character is above reproach. We're known by all, or most anyway, as one who does things the right way. I'm really not sure we could have a, a, a better thing said about us in this, in this context than to be known as, as having these traits. We try so hard to be known as one of high moral character, uh, especially by any and all who come in contact with us, whether they know us personally or, or not, really should not necessarily come into play in this case. As the statement we made a couple of weeks ago says, uh, is we uh, about our character is that's who we are when no one is watching us we as christians should work hard every day displaying the best christ-like traits that we possibly can no matter if we're at home watching tv or maybe we're at work or, or maybe even here at church and yet what does romans three twenty three tell us we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. It's not that we mean to do it, but our human nature simply falls victim to sin, to not displaying those Christ-like traits as much as we would like to all the time. I believe there's so many times that we may think we are doing right, but somehow our standards fall below the standards of our Savior. And maybe we don't even realize it. Our our two verses today are reminders to us of of what we should aspire to be. We're reminded in in Proverbs 15.10, first, that there is severe repercussions, severe discipline for those who forsake that way, or in the way of the Lord, we could say. And whoever hates reproof will die. Man, that's harsh. Proverbs 10, 17 says that whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life. But those who reject reproof lead others astray. This is not getting any better. So let's put those two together and see what we have. On the one hand, those who listen to instruction, to correction, when when we fall off the mark, is, is, as we said, on the path to life. 
Those who refuse to heed that reproof or correction will be disciplined severely. Goes beyond that now. Again, look at these at these two verses, the latter parts of them. Let's put those together. And they say this, those who hate to be corrected will lead others astray and will eventually die. Wow. That is saying a lot, is it not? Now, while the example I'm about to give isn't necessarily as, as serious in its repercussions, it'll help us maybe to see what this is saying. And I, Casey can probably verify some of this because I'm going to talk about the kids. Oh. <laughs> look, look at a child, for instance. Now, we have two in our home. Um, one's only just a couple of... She'll be two in October. The other is about six and a half. Shirley has had no schooling at one plus. Howie has finished kindergarten. More experienced in the world, I guess you could say. Their, their learning skills are substantially different. They're, they're, their teaching uh, skills for my grandson and granddaughter-in-law are unique to both as well. Shirley is learning what simple things like not taking things away from everybody else is all about. She's learning what a hot stove is all about. Mostly she's learning what no means. And she's not afraid to use that word either. She's also learning on the most basic of scales what will happen if she does something anyway after being told no. Now, Howie's learning curve is, is a little bit on a different scale. Put your toys up, Howie. You, you can't leave your stuff out or your sister's going to get them. What do you say when you ask someone for something? Please and what? Thank you, right? Yeah. Please close the door. It's time for bed. Things along that line. So, so the teaching and learning scales are a little bit different for both. They're learning, both of them at their own pace, what their individual skills will allow them to understand. These lessons will help them understand when they get older that there are certain laws, rules, and regulations that will pertain to existing in, uh, in life, in the world. Driving a vehicle, for instance, you've got to have certain rules and regulations. Perhaps maybe something as simple as, as riding a bike on a public road. Everything has rules and regulations that we must learn in order to be good uh, law-abiding citizens. And hopefully these lessons that they're learning now will help them see the importance of following those rules, regulations, and laws later in life. They'll have a value to them. Not necessarily that they want to avoid things, but there is a value for doing things the right way. Now, while they are my great-grandchildren, and I love them more than my life itself, they are by no means angels. That's where you come in, okay? They're going to just look at you when you tell them to do something like they're in another world and they can't hear a word you're saying. That drives me nuts. And this is the third generation that we have raised in our home or, or helped raise in our home. This one, though, is far more difficult because my wife and I have a way of teaching. My grandkids, the parents of, these, of my two greats, have theirs. And they are not the same, not by any stretch. Ours, more or less by the seat of our pants. It's worked before the last 40-plus years. It'll work again this time. Their rationale is, 
We paid our college professors a whole lot of money, and they've taught us to do these things. You don't think they would steer us wrong, do you? Well, yeah, I do. They're not teaching them right at all. You ever notice that most people who write, I won't say most, that's that's not a fair word. I think about Dr. Spock, okay? Not Mr. Spock now, but Dr. Spock. Remember he wrote the, the children's book of the 50s? He didn't have any kids. How do you do that? How can you become a child expert with no children? That makes no sense whatsoever. And yet, I imagine he probably banked a lot of money writing that stuff. Anyway, that's sports of a different color. Well, ir- irrelevant in their mind, however, is tried and true. Our goal, though, on both sides is to ensure that Shirley and Howie grow up to be, again, good law-abiding citizens, people who are courteous and mindful of others, people who are going to have a love for Jesus Christ. That's where we are at the moment. We're character building now in order that they will be good, honest, sincere people no matter who they are with. We're teaching them to listen to good advice and to heed that advice. Proverbs 22.6 says, To train up a child in the way that he should go, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. That is our hope and our prayer. Not only for our children, but for yours as well. I can tell you, though, with children, with you with children can attest to this, raising children is not for the faint of heart. And no two are ever the same. If anything, they're the exact opposites at times. I used to say that, you know, we don't, they don't come with an instruction manual. It would help if they did. But you think about that, every instruction manual would have to be different. You, you couldn't use the old one to, to take care of the new kid because it ain't going to work. Anyway. I think that though we may not think about it at the time, this is what we all want from our children, to be reminded of obey your elders, our parents and other folks, um, others folks we allow into our close circle of family, whatever that might look like. Obey what they tell you to do. I can remember when I was a kid, if you were acting up in church, it didn't matter who the, the, the adult was sitting behind you, they'd pop you upside the head. Huh? I've, I've seen them carry them out. And the parents just sitting there like, thank goodness I ain't got to do it. But I mean, it, it didn't matter back then. Boy, you try to do something like that now, you look at another child and whoa, that's not going to work well for you, is it? And you look at, at society the way it is right now too. And it, it's so not the same as what it was when I was growing up. But anyway... We just, we, we want people to do the right things, to, to be, to obey their, their elders. It's called to a certain degree discipline. Not a do it or else, but this is why you want to do things. And we find as our children get older, the repercussions from obeying or not obeying gets worse. So we attempt to help them see the error of their ways at a young age. Correction is good for, for everyone, but especially for the young. However, we are never, none of us in this room, are never too old to be corrected, are we? 
I correct her quite often when I don't remember to do something at home. Maybe even here at church. We try to do things as perfectly as we can, attempting to consider every uh, possible avenue of success and failure in all that we do. And yet someone, somewhere, always comes along and says, you know, if you'd have thought about doing it this way, it probably would have worked out a little bit easier for you and you might even could have done it better. This is what teachers are for. This is what the elders in our church here are for. Guys, this is what our wives are for, right? To tell us what to do. We didn't know how to get in out of the rain before we got married, did we? My wife said, church, she's not listening, so I don't have to worry about that last one. Yet there are some of all ages that just seem to want to do things in the most difficult way possible. I call it doing the simplest of things with the greatest of difficulty. Yes, maybe they were corrected at a young age. Perhaps, though, they were abused at that time. This is where we get into an area that is so very dangerous for all concerned. And looking at our scripture reading for today, severe discipline that is spoken of here in the English Standard, especially in 1510, comes, I think, a bit later in a person's life or it should at least, in my opinion. I don't think severe discipline is necessarily meant for a three-year-old. It may seem severe to the three-year-old, but it's not a situation where they were being mishandled or, or shouldn't be anyway, not in my opinion. I'm, I'm talking about here about someone who perhaps has been taught better, to, uh, to know better, as, as we like to say. They had been taught not only ways of living within a home, but perhaps maybe they had learned how to, to live within the church. And they knew what was expected of them there. But there comes that day when that young person may start thinking for himself or herself that he knows better or she knows better than, than her parents or his parents or, or the Sunday school teacher that they had for years or maybe even their pastor. I went down that pathway once upon a time many years ago. I got off to college and I was as smarter than everybody else. And I had to do things my own way. Maybe you've done the same thing. For some, getting off the straight and narrow may just be going out one night and having a beer after having been taught so long that drinking was a horrible sin and, and you could die from one drink because you make one bad judgmental error and you're doomed for hell. Or perhaps maybe you were raised with the thought that you were going to experiment with things uh, in, in your life and you wanted, your parents want to make sure that, that even though it's not a good thing because it may be illegal... You may have a problem somewhere down the road. The best thing to do is call home, and if there's any way possible, we'll come and get you. But call. That's the important thing. Make sure, parents, you keep that line of communication open with your children. That is extremely important. I don't care what age you may be. Understand, though, or have them understand that if they are indeed caught by law, then you may have a problem that, that they just can't get, uh, can't get rid of or can't get out of. And while that's not death 
as in loss of life as we might think of it, the death of your freedom for a time may come. Before you decide to do something good, bad, or indifferent, dwell on your upbringing for a second and ask yourself, is this what I am about to do? Is it worth it? Oftentimes, correction can come from within. If, if the discipline has, has been laid out for you beforehand, if you knew these things beforehand, you can fall back on these things. I go back to Proverbs 22.6 again. But correction can be as much about preventative measures as it can be corrective measures. Maybe that young person learns from those things, or, or maybe they run into trouble that they'll, they'll be held accountable for. Praise God that they can pay for what they have done and are still alive to learn from it. Some, though, aren't so lucky. But you see, this is what Proverbs 15.10 talks about. Those who hate correction will die. Harsh words, I know, maybe we'd like to think could die instead of will die. Because we're always hoping for the best, aren't we? We're going to hope that those who get themselves into trouble will somehow wake up and be able to get out of it. That's where we hope to be able to say could die instead of saying will die. But that doesn't always happen, does it? And that last part of Proverbs 10 can take on a number of disastrous ends. From drug or alcohol addiction to breaking the law to the point that incarceration is the only answer to even suicide. Or maybe, believe it or not, maybe it's as simple as turning away from our first love, Jesus Christ. And while that is disastrous in and of itself... You think perhaps, well, they're still alive at least. Maybe we can turn them around. Maybe they will come back to the Lord and continue again in walking with Him. But we have to understand, in between then, there will come a day that that turning away from Jesus will have to be answered for. In front of God our Father who is our Father, yes, but also our righteous judge. It is then that nothing can be done for that person unless they do return to the Lord beforehand. It's here that in that previous statement that one that hates correction will die, will apply. Now, that's kind of the negative side of our reading for today. Let's look a little bit more on the positive side here, okay? Proverbs ten seventeen. Remembering now, our topic for the day is correction. says this, Whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life, but he who rejects reproof or correction leads others astray. Nah, now we've gone from, well, if I get myself into trouble, I'm only hurting me. That may or may not be the case, folks. Let's look quickly at correction, what it can do for you and for others as well, though. I'm just going to list these things pretty much. I may give you at least a little bit of a, a, a hint as to what you might want to look for when, when you search these out yourself. Number one, correction will keep you out of ignorance. 
There's a nasty statement in Proverbs 12, 1. Whoever loves discipline, correction in other words, loves knowledge. Get this now. This is in the English standard. But he who hates reproof is stupid. Can it get any plainer than that? I mean, good night. You talk about getting whacked upside the head. You're being called stupid. It's kind of harsh, is it not? Well, sure it is. Proverbs 15, 5. Maybe he's a little bit easier, but just as pointed. A fool despises his father's instruction, but he who receives correction is prudent. Hmm, okay. Point two. Correction will keep you prosperous. Proverbs 13, 18. Poverty and shame will come to him who disdains correction, but he who regards a rebuke will be honored. That could mean physically, Financially, or most especially, spiritually. Point three, correction will keep you alive. Really? How? Well, I think we saw it in in 1510 as to how that can happen. We've beaten that one long enough. Go back and read 1510. Listen to that part of the sermon again and you'll pick up on what we just talked about. Point four, correction will keep you in God's will for your life. Maybe the most important one yet. If you do not stray in God's reproof, in His correction, in the correction of the leaders of the church, we can easily see how we can get out of God's will very easily if we don't stay within those things. Okay? Point five. It's a proof of Christian maturity. And this one will lead us to the last point that we'll talk about in just a couple of minutes. Proverbs 17.10, rebuke, correction, is more effective for a wise man than a hundred blows to a fool. There are others but I, that I would encourage you to investigate these verses that we've given you today and maybe look beyond these and, and see what you can find concerning these five points. You may even be able to add on more to it. You know, all of these points were centered around correction. There are other passages that, that, that pertain to discipline. I would encourage you. Look at Hebrews 12, verse 7, and on, for instance, to get other ideas and reasons concerning discipline and its correction. Is it an easy topic to look at? Anybody love to have discipline put upon them? Correction. You like to be told you're wrong about something? I didn't think so. No, it's not easy. But why is it not easy? Why do we fight discipline, correction, reproof so much? Let's look further in the Scriptures. Look at how we must approach correction if we are going to have any success with it at all. Matthew 18, 3 and 4. Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. Hmm. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Turn and become like this child. That's what you have to do. How is that going to be done? By humbling yourself. We see in verse 2, Jesus had a child right there with him. And this was to be his example. And oddly enough, do you see who he is talking to at this moment? He's not talking to a lot of people that he doesn't know. He's not talking to the throngs of people who were following for curiosity. He's talking to his disciples here. 
These are the closest men around him, the closest people that he knows. And he is having to reprove them. He is having to correct their attitude here. So what should this be saying to us then? If he's talking to his disciples then, is it possible he might be talking to his disciples today? What he says here is pay heed. Truly I say to you. In other words, listen up. This is important. Remember as well, children, as we said before, were considered property. So I mean, he's, he's using something here that's virtually meaningless to the world. And, and, and even little kids, boys or girls, were considered really property. That was it. That was all they were known for, okay? Girls, even worse, okay? Because boys at least had a future or, or a, the possibility of a future when they got a little bit older. Women were just property most of their lives. But if you look at it, children were taught at a very young age to keep quiet, to obey the adults around them, to play together and cause no trouble, literally to be seen and not heard. Be gentle, but be receptive in the lessons that they were given. That's what they were taught from a very small age. And if a change needs to come, they need to make that change, as do we. Jesus knew all that, and so he passes that life lesson on to his disciples. First, through the examples of a child. If correction is necessary in your life, do it from someone with authority, and don't quibble about it is what Jesus is saying here. However, we have to go back to one word in this passage in Matthew 18. After the question of how it is to be done, it is to be done humbly. And that, folks, is where the problem hits us right between the eyes. Our pride isn't wanting us to relent, is it? No, we know what we're doing. Tell me what to do. I know what I'm doing. I'm smarter than them. In fact, I dare say that even in the day of Solomon... The issue of pride was probably first and foremost a problem that they all had and that they all needed to get a handle on. This whole lesson today, though, is it, the subject is correction. Being made right in our thinking or our acting, or our acting comes down to a matter of one thing, and that's how we handle our pride. And it's a serious enough problem that we're told it can kill us. Or it can lead to destruction if others follow you and you're not listening to wise, sound advice. Or we're refusing to accept correction when we're not on the right path. Elder, you were doing just fine until you made this personal. Until you got into pride and humility and all of that. You guys, the elders and you, you're no better than we are. You have no business trying to tell me how to run my life. They're no better than I am. I can tell you, you will not find more humble men than the elders of this church. Me, I guess you can think whatever you want to about me. And maybe you're right about me, I don't know. But I do know this. 2 Timothy 3.16 is all the defense I need and all the elders need in this church. Paul wrote to his young friend, Timothy, here, 
that all Scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for teaching. You listening here? For reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And folks, when we're being corrected, we don't need to do that training in righteousness to get away. Or we do need the training in righteousness to get away from the evil ways that have ruled us in our lives. If your correction is coming from God's Word, it cannot be beat. And when there's hesitancy, even a refusal to accept correction from God's Word, take a wild guess where the obstinance is coming from. You betcha. Satan's right there in your ear, neck and neck with you. Think about Paul in Romans 8. I, I love that. Here I am trying to do right, and evil is right there neck and neck with me. I know how he feels. I know exactly how he feels. So what do we do? We humble ourselves, not before me or the elders necessarily, though we are here to talk with you and help you if you need that. But I can tell you, our advice will not come from our own thoughts and ideas. They will, however, come from the word that God has given us. It's from there that we can be assured that our correction is wise counsel. And this word is meant for any age. Be assured of that. So I ask you today, how's your thinking coming along? Are you looking for the Lord through prayer and study to become a wiser thinker? Or are you listening to the world? Are you getting your advice from talking heads on TV? Furthermore, are you leading others to Jesus? Or are you leading them away from Jesus? Humble yourself as a child. First thing. For it is only in that childlike attitude that we are ever going to be able to lead anyone along the right path. Or for us to be led down that right path. It's following Jesus in his way that, will, it, that we will ever be successful in this life. In the way that it has been purposed for you and I to live it. Don't be afraid to heed instruction. Instead, run to it. Cling to it. Believe in it. For it's in this way that we all can be difference makers in this life that I believe the Lord has called you and me to be. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the privilege of, of hearing these harsh words again. But also, Father, thank you for the examples of, of children and how they have to grow, how we have to teach them. But the one most important lesson from, from the age of, of a month to the age of a hundred, we need to learn to be humble. We need to throw our pride out and listen humbly to those who know what they're talking about. Lord, as we become wiser in our days, may we learn how to help others not go astray, but to lead them along those righteous paths, just as you've taught us to do. It is a, a terrific responsibility that parents must raise their children, but it's more a terrific responsibility 
that each individual as brothers and sisters in Christ must teach others who do not know those ways. So bless us to that end as we work together to learn, to grow, to disciple, to do those things which you have called us to do as your children. Bless us to that end, we ask you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.